Welcome to C19 Daily. I'm Karen Romano. This week, we're bringing you a series of interviews with experts. This is our third in the series, and Jason Zimmerman will be facilitating the interviews, and I'm going to turn it over to you, Jason. Great. Thanks, Karen. Yeah, so today, pretty excited to have Jesse Stanley join us today. Uh, distinctive background, protecting people and assets for some of the largest and best-known organizations domestically and internationally. Before joining, before forming StrongSide, Jesse directed investigations, loss prevention, security business units for companies with interest and assets across the nation. Then he served as a de- served a decade in security senior management for Walt Disney World, where I happen to meet Jesse and pretty excited about that. I'm glad we stayed in touch over the years. So Jesse, welcome to C19 Daily. Hey, thank you, Jason. Glad we kept in touch as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it was part of this series. We're coming off of a webinar that we did a couple of days ago. And the webinar was basically returning to the new normal. And we're trying to be uh, helpful to all of our customers to say, look, what should people anticipate while they're heads down dealing with the day in and day out of the business as usual and trying to facilitate uh, things that are going on in their lives? They might have a little heads down and say, all right, what do I need to be thinking about three, four weeks out? You know, we're coming into this phase reopening approach. The businesses are going to start reopening. Um, I don't know, you know, maybe some businesses have been completely closed. Now, now they're going full scale. You know, everybody's in a little, a little different form here, but we're trying to um, think out a little bit, you know, out, out on the horizon and say, what should people be considering? So some of the series that we've had, we've been talking about, you know, leadership, for example, how to put your best foot forward with both your employees and your customers, you know, and then we're, we talked to Larry Barton uh, came on with us and he talked about anxiety, you know, reducing that anxiety for people, you know, before they get, before they come in, you know, what should they be expecting, you know, and then what about the customers, and the employees, what are they expecting the interactions to be like, you know, don't take me off guard. If I sh- if you show up with a mask on or, what if you don't have a mask on? Am I going to freak out because you don't have a mask on or something like that? Um, and then today, you know, what if all of that doesn't work, right? We, we did, you know, we did some really good leadership. We, we talked to our customers and our employees, like we tried to reduce the anxiety as much as we can. Uh, but now what if there truly is, you know, um, those disruptive behaviors, you know, so I was hoping to talk to you a little bit about that today to say, you know, what's this that going to look like? What do some of our customers have to think about? You know, whether they're a doctor's office, a lawyer's office, a retail, you know, what are they going to have to think about, you know, when people are coming back to work? If they're servicing customers, what about their employees? You know, so what what are we looking at here? Yeah. Um, so so first, I just want to say great job talking to Dr. Barton, right, on the, on the stressors, because um, that's where the stuff starts. So if you, if you, if you start at the beginning with disruptive behaviors, uh, what you have is disruptive behaviors are basically those behaviors that include everything from rudeness up to violence, right? Um, If someone's just simply upset or disappointed, that's not a disruptive behavior. And we're gonna see some of that, of course, because of those stressors. Um, The disruptive behaviors tend to start with unmet demands. So again, it links right back to Dr. Barton's um, comments and and his knowledge about the stressors and how do we reduce those stressors uh, because the stressors actually tend to exacerbate um, unmet demands. So if you start there and you start thinking, okay, we've got customers or clients or patrons coming into our facility or into our organization, um, we are going to anticipate disruptive behaviors 
And now how do we uh, avoid them, keep them from happening, and then how to respond to them? The first thing we need our people to understand is uh, where they're coming from. So again, the stressors and the unmet demands. And if we can get them to understand that, um, all of a sudden this becomes less likely that they're going to react. So sorry, I kind of went academic on you based on your question there, but um, no, that, that's, that's kind of a starting point. And, and, and what you see is if we, if we start talking about unmet demands with the people that, we, that work with us and for us, um, and we start talking about these customers as people, this becomes a people issue, this becomes a challenge, and our language then, it's, it's easier to avoid talking about it as a problem. Right? Once you start talking about it as problems, as problem people, problem behaviors, um, people begin to get treated as problems. And when you add um, disrespect to unmet demands, you actually then again, encourage the likelihood or, or um, exaggerate the extent of any disruptive behaviors. Yeah, because suddenly if you start treating people like a problem, then they're not a person anymore. Then you you have those rudeness and you you forget that they're a human just like you are, right? They want to be talked to, they want to be listened to, they That's have right. unmet needs, you know what I mean? Unmet demands that that yeah. cause that that activity, whether it's, you know, my food is cold or my house is getting foreclosed on, you know, there's just there's a unmet demand there. Yeah, that's right. And and in fact, you know, kind of going off of that. So so what are the demands going to be? What are the stresses going to be? And I want to go back to again, I'm glad you had Dr. Barton on. Um, one of the things that Dr. Barton talks about quite a bit is uh, the best predictor of future behavior, which is what you and I are talking about future behavior and how do we react mm -hmm. to it? That best predictor is recent near recent behavior. You know, it's not three years ago. It's not even typically a year ago. It's what's going on in the last few months. And so it's not just the behavior, yeah. but the circumstances in their life. Um, and so mm -hmm. one of the easiest ways we can look at this to talk about, all right, what are we going to deal with and how do we deal with it um, is to look at crime, right? Because there's, there are some anecdotal stories out there about disruptive behavior, but, but really everybody's been in isolation, you know, so there, there aren't even a lot of stories. Yeah. Um, so if we look at crime and we look at domestic violence, that's going to give us some indication of where we're headed in the next few months. And so, mm -hmm. so crime is actually, if you read the reports, generally speaking, you're going to see a reduction in crime uh, during this season of, of COVID lockdowns. Um, the reasons why the uh, criminologists will tell you, uh, they will tell you that there's fewer suitable targets, right? So for violent crime, there just aren't as many people out there to attack. Um, there are people in their homes. And so burglaries have gone down, you know, they're less likely to be burglarized when they're occupied. Um, you also have um, fewer kind of normal, non-deviant behaving people out in public. Therefore, a, somebody with a deviant mind has less cover, right? Uh, you know, today where, where I'm at, where you're at, Jason, it's kind of opened up a bit. Um, it's starting to look more like normal. Uh, you know, there may be, 300 people on the main road down, down the street from me, um, last week there would have been 10 people. And yet there's still the same amount of law enforcement. And so if you are deviant minded, you don't wanna be one in 10, you wanna be one in 300. You, you wanna be able to blend in, that's cover that you want. Um, so all those things and a few more other factors lead criminologists to believe that's the reduction in crime. But there's a second issue, right? Is that actually, 
places like Philly and Philadelphia and Los Angeles, they saw an initial reduction in crime and then a spike. And we, we, there, there are a couple reasons, um, but one of them is that, um, and this also leads to the reduction in crime, one of them is that law enforcement is actually conducting in many cases non-enforcement. Um, in fact, I was reading an article out of Chicago um, where you've seen this really drastic reduction in crime where, where there was a guy who uh, woke up in the middle of the night to some sounds and there, looked out in the backyard and he sees his neighbor in his backyard wielding a machete, chopping down his plants. Yeah. So he calls law enforcement and they're like, uh, yeah, you know, you're kind of on your own. Are you okay? What's going on? Um, he's like, no, I need you here. Um, uh, law enforcement comes out. They, they, they don't do anything. The guy goes back, you know, before they get there, he goes back. They don't do anything. He comes back and starts um, taking a shovel and digging up the guy's yard and throwing his, his turf into the street. Um, you know, he calls law enforcement again and law enforcement comes out and basically law enforcement, when it comes down to it, um, they ended up giving him a warning. The guy was saying, arrest me, arrest me. They didn't want to arrest him because they're actually in the midst of non-enforcement. So what's interesting is that likely didn't get reported as a crime. And yet you have, right. you know, potentially assault, you have, uh, vandalism, um, you know, you could actually, yeah. you know, depending on the, how the statute's written, go with burglary of some type. I mean, and yet there's no crime reported. So, so it appears right, that we sure. actually have an underreported amount of crime. So, so with that, and the second thing obviously is domestic violence. I think I already mentioned that. If you look at what's going on in domestic violence, where now the crime is more likely to take place and be reported, um, that we're actually mm -hmm. seeing an increase. It was speculated upon and early information is that we're seeing an increase. UK reported a, a doubling of domestic violence homicides. Um, uh, United States, who did, somebody did a report, and I'm trying to remember who, who put something out a, a few weeks ago, but, but basically it, it was, it was like a 30% increase in domestic violence crimes reported, right? True. So if you look at the foundation of that, and what do we have to, to look forward to? Here's what you've got. You've got um, people I'm who sitting are, back in my chair. After all of that, I don't even know what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, a lot of information, but um, no, but this is great. I never heard it from this perspective. So this is fantastic. Yeah, the, the context is so important here. If we if we're going to look forward, so mm -hmm. so so what we have is we have a bunch of people. In fact, an entire country, an entire world, really, you could argue, um, with unprecedented stressors, right? Um, mm -hmm. Stress like we've never seen. You know, I'm old enough to have seen yeah. quite a bit, and and there's been nothing like this. Um, and, and really there are two primary stressors. One of them is the lack of good information, right? And that's mm -hmm. problematic throughout this entire escapade. Um, and the second is the financial devastation. Um, again, uh, Jason, you and I were talking the other day and we're like, yeah, where we're at, everybody sees this as a vacation. Um, but that's not yeah. most of the world. Most of the world sees this as imminent starvation and um, poverty and getting pushed out of their places that they live in, pushed out of shelter. And those are, those are tremendous stressors. When you don't get what you demand, that's one thing. When you don't get what you absolutely need to survive, that's a whole level, different level of stress. Um, so, so we've got that going in the background. Uh, and if you think about deviant people, the, the people who are just habitually deviant right now, they also have, let's say that they didn't engage in any deviant behavior or disruptive behavior. They actually have something of a latent demand, right? 
their desire to be deviant, unless they're just pure opportunists, but their desire to be deviant didn't just go away because they're like, hey, hashtag all in it together. Um, that's not how their, their brains are functioning. Um, right. So there's, there's a latency, there's a, there's a pent up demand, if you will. Um, and as cover, you know, as more people are out there uh, and there's more cover, uh, you're gonna see, you can expect to see uh, more crime. You also have anonymity because if we're all forced to wear masks, um, there's anonymity, you know? Uh, you know yeah. There used to be a day not that long ago where if you wore a mask around, you actually, um, you know, you might actually get approached by law enforcement. Um, you know, mm -hmm. and you have countries, I won't name names, but countries in Europe that have actually banned masks, even from a religious uh, standpoint. Um, and so that sense of anonymity is going to lend itself to behaviors. And again, we can look at the internet for that. You know, look, I don't know if you ever do this for fun, but if you read the comments below news articles, um, the reason why people say such crazy things is either they're paid by another state, their state actor, trying to get things going, and or they have total anonymity and their behaviors completely yeah. change, right? Um, so these yeah. are, I can go on, but these are a few of the things that we have to look forward to for both um, deviant and disruptive behaviors. Yeah. I never thought about the one with the mask, you know, and that's a great, that's the anonymity with the mask is, is a great thing to point out because now it's it's just like the world's upside down you used to look at people kind of crooked to say you know why do you have a mask on you know and you and i travel mm -hmm. quite a bit for a living right yeah. we travel a lot yeah. to see customers and that's how we you know gain gain knowledge of the the industry and and help people out and you know but we travel quite a bit so you know you used to look look at people with a crooked eye when they would walk through an airport with a mask and you'd be like oh you must have you know, maybe there's something wrong or, you know, you start thinking about where, where are they traveling to or from or, you know, what sort of health concern do they have? And now you start looking at people without the mask yeah. and say, are you crazy? You're out in this, you're out in this without wearing a mask, you know, in Pennsylvania to go out in public, you have to wear a mask here in Florida, you know, it's caution to the wind and, you know, everything's fine here in Florida, but, um, yeah. you know, some places it's, you know, you go out without a mask. Now you're looking at, now you look that crazy to say, why are you not wearing a mask? You yeah. know, so the, the, the culture is really starting to flip upside down. Um, you know, and it's, it's amazing how fast things are changing. You know, look at everything from technology to masks to just everybody's behavior, what would normally take, you know, 18 months or three or five years to change you know, behaviors, it's, um, it's really, really different now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And if yeah. you, if you, if you think about that, you've got more anonymity, you've got mm -hmm. more life stressors and very significant life stressors. You have a uh, yeah. uh, very great uh, financial need. Um, you yeah. have a sense of wrongdoing being wronged. Um, and I'm not saying anybody mm -hmm. is wronging us, but but it is very it is very easy for people to feel wrong in this time because of the lack of good information because of the you know mm -hmm. some of our institutions getting conflicting information over the, the last few yeah. months. Yeah, you don't know what to believe. You don't know what to believe. People don't like to be ignorant. They don't like to feel mm -hmm. ignorant. You know, many of us, all of us are ignorant, but they don't like to feel ignorant. And when you make them feel mm -hmm. ignorant, it's actually a major stressor. It's actually a demand that they demand to be respected. Respect. Uh, ignorance or feeling ignorant is a form of disrespect yeah. and it is a it, it will exaggerate those deviant and disruptive behaviors so all of that in you can see that there's mm -hmm. there's a pretty good recipe here for some increased disruptive and deviant behaviors 
But yeah, that's fascinating. Your question to me, I think, was, but what do we do about it? <laughs> <laughs> what do we do about it? <laughs> well, I'm sorry we ran out of time on the podcast, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So, and the other thing I love that you said too, is the pent up demand to be deviant, right? That was great. Hashtag all in this together. But yeah, I'm at some point I'm going to start being deviant again. And I, you know, I just want to do that, you know, and then there's the, the whole reasons behind it, I think is what that pent up, you know, unfulfilled needs really comes down to, you know, is that uh, I've done it before. I'm going to do it again, whatever that disruptive or deviant behavior is, you know, and now it's just exacerbated because, you know, it's like you see the increase in crime before Christmas, you know, I'm expected to give a bunch of Christmas gifts. I'm out of cash. Right. So now it's that almost that type of behavior. Right. So now the theft and burglary go, go up. People start going back to work. They bought new TVs. People are going to go rob TVs after they go back to work because, I don't have money to buy my own, right? Is really what it comes down to. That's right. You have an increase in suitable targets, you know, being mm-hmm. boxes left on porches. Um, you have no. um, you have an increase in uh, motivation. Uh, you know, the 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 demand that I'm actually able to give gifts to my uh, friends and family. Um, and actually, for yeah. some of them, it's not even about gifts. It's really just about suitable targets and and yeah, uh, stuff. The, yeah, stuff. The ability to do it. Yeah. Um, so. So I want to make sure I do answer your question because I gave you a, a long contextual uh, answer there. Um, on the deviant behavior, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna minimize on this, on the deviant behavior, you basically have a few things. From an external target standpoint, um, you wanna make sure that, that you're just following good security practices, right? So if you own a store, you own a shop of some kind, or, or you, you have an office space, you know, making sure you, you follow the norms that we all know, making sure that your your landscaping is appropriately, and I won't go into all the details, but you know, it's no more than three feet high, no more than eight to 12 feet low, you know, that type of thing. Make sure that you have good lighting, make sure that you have operational locks, um, uh, making sure that uh, um, you, you're thinking through whether your space should be dark or lit, depending on what type of natural surveillance you're trying to, to, to create. So just all that normal stuff, right? Um, the, the, the key here from a leadership standpoint is making sure that you're present because leaders are going to have, managers and owners are going to have a lot of distractions coming up in the next few months. Opening up, opening up well, trying to keep the lights on. Um, you know, I have my own business and yeah, it's, it's been interesting. And, and a, lot of the, a lot of my time has actually been administrative, making sure that I, I adjust my cash flow so that, you know, I can extend my runway and, and stay in business and all that. Um, so they're gonna be distracted and, and unfortunately they can't be distracted. They have to continue to be engaged in their, in their business um, and with their people. Um, from an insider threat standpoint, um, one of the things, and, and Dr. Barton may have talked about this, uh, but one of the things that, that is just critical is just good leadership, right? Being engaged, providing information, being authentic, um, uh, you know, being willing to let someone go if they need to, um, but but not not pushing, you know, not trying to push there unnecessarily, making sure that people feel like they are absolutely cared for. You know, and this is what we're seeing in retail where, you know, they're happy to have the hours, but then they're, some of them are feeling like, well, wait a second, I'm the one cleaning up the coronavirus. You know, I'm not in a, you know, I look at the pictures from Wuhan and I see these guys in space suits. Um, you know, they told me to bring in a, a handkerchief to cover my face. 
Um, and so, you know, one of the things, you know, from a leadership standpoint, we talk about is you got to have loyalty, you got to have trust, right? Those things are earned over yeah. time. But, but if somebody said, hey, Jason, your people, you know, you got a team of 10 and all 10 of them will, will have great loyalty and trust in you for the, for the uh, investment of 50 bucks each, would you make that investment? Yeah, right. I mean, sure. <laughs> that's an easy one. So if you yeah. actually, if you buy, you know, the proper PPE, um, and maybe even buy a little bit extra, so they know that you're you're not skimping. Um, you you do things like, it. You know, every so often we're going to bring in a professional cleaner because I don't want you getting close to that area. You know, again, depending on mm -hmm. on the type of establishment. Um, but you show that willingness to put your people's safety above. Um, profits yeah. or, or money. Um, that's one of the ways you're going to actually help deter some of that internal, uh, internal crime. So yeah, for sure. We can go on on the deviance uh, for quite some time, but the disruptive behavior is really, really key. And again, and I'm going to speak to this in terms of opportunity, right? So if you don't mind, do you mind if I just use retail as an example? Sure. Yeah. yeah I, I think they're probably on the front lines on this. They're, they're, it is good to look at what retailers have been doing and what they continue to do and how they change. Um, I think that is a good, um, it's a good learning ground for all of us, whether it's an office space, a, a restaurant, hospitality, entertainment, et cetera. So in retail, um, the things that they need to be doing, again, we talked about this, they need to be looking for information or giving information to their people. They need to be sharing information with their, um, with their customers. Um, again, they need to demonstrate that dedication and that prioritization of safety. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I gotta tell you, some places we clean, it's absolutely ridiculous that we clean, you know, cause it, the virus isn't there. And you know, nobody's right, gonna right, be. Yeah. But still, that's better to do that and, and show that you care. Um, but then we need to be looking for uh, those opportunities to actually engage people. And, and one of the things we've been talking about, I've been talking about with a couple of my clients is, you know, this is a, a time of great stress. This is a time that none of us will forget. This will be memory of a lifetime, but you also in this high stress times, in these high challenging times, you have the opportunity to treat your people and serve your people in a way that they will remember for a lifetime as well. Right. Yeah. So you actually want to associate this challenge with great leadership and great service and let them remember yeah. the challenge and then let let your organization stand out as an organization that um, that they that rem they remember. They remember how they're treated. And that really starts with respect. You know, you've seen a few um, a few articles on people who have been attacked or fights that have broke out because of toilet paper or because you know uh, the unfortunate one of the security guard um, who lost his life in Michigan um, uh, because, he, he, because he was enforcing a, a uh, mask policy. And the reality is it is highly unlikely that someone killed someone else over toilet paper or being asked to um, wear a mask, right? And I wanna tread carefully because you know, I haven't been present for any of these. Um, sure. The more likely scenario is that somebody engages in violence in this type of situation uh, because they feel disrespected. Yeah, and that, for sure. It's not about the toilet paper. 
Right, exactly. Um, and that disrespect comes from little things. So, so one of the things that we've been talking about is making sure that whenever you approach someone, you have a customer that walks in with no mask. So a, a way to avoid disruptive behaviors is approach them and assume they just don't know, right? Um, if you assume like, well, listen, there was a sign, there's, it's been all over the media, look at everybody around you, they're wearing a mask. Um, if, you, if you do that and assume that this person's just you know, being a jerk, you will then treat them like a jerk. And you just increase the likelihood um, that they will actually engage in disruptive behaviors. If you just make the assumption, yeah. they don't know. Then you go and you don't treat them like a jerk, like what are you doing? You give them information, right? And, and that is the type of, of um, pro-relational behavior that we need to engage to actually minimize the likelihood of disruptive behaviors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, no, that's fantastic. All right, you can tell I can keep going. Um, I'll take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this was awesome, Jess. Really, really, really appreciate you coming on and uh, and talking to us today. The perspectives are, you know, and and I'm on the cusp of this, right? I'm on the, the not a, I'm on the fringe of what you do on a daily basis with some of my background and things like that, and and just hearing the different perspectives as as we talked to like Dr. Barton and we had um, Lee Cockerell on talking about leadership and everything you said is echoing yeah. a lot of stuff that he said about leadership as well. You know treating people like people, not treating them like problems, That's right. you know, is, is just really echoes through, you know, so it's, um, you know, all of that continues. So that's really why we're trying to do this is bring the different perspectives because we're getting the deluge of information out of the media. We're getting the deluge of information out of the government, you know, and oftentimes it's, you know, they're reporting just based on to show, show, um, you know, just where everybody's missing each other, right? It's not necessarily all the right information. It's just everybody's pointing, pointing out a different information. So it's good to, it's good to get different perspectives. That's why we're doing this, you know, trying to, trying to bring some of that, that to the table for all of our, all of our customers and all of our listeners and things like that. So really appreciate you having on. Thanks again. Yeah, my pleasure, Jason. And if I just, just can close with one thought, just to repeat. Yeah, sure, please. Um, that this is a huge challenge. And with huge challenges come great opportunities and the greatest likelihood for, for seizing that opportunity and making it to your benefit. Um, the greatest likelihood that'll happen is when you have great leadership. Right. And there so I, I kind of sound like one of those posters you would see on a wall, but, but it's absolutely true. This is an opportunity for leaders, both informal and formal leaders. Um, and that could be the person working at Chick-fil-A in the car line. Uh, leading, mm -hmm. leading the people that he or she is actually engaging with. Um, this is a great opportunity for us who are willing to do that to make good things happen okay. out of this challenge. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for that. Really appreciate it. If you want to hear more from Jesse, we're going to be posting his website and access and everything to Jesse on, on the BC in the Cloud page. So look for that if you want to hear more. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Karen, back over to you. Thank you. That, that was very engaging, Jesse. I appreciate all those tips. Um, I, I love how you ended with your little leadership quote there. Um, so thanks for joining us again. And for this great interview that wraps up this episode of C19 Daily. As always, email us at COVID19 at infiniteblue.com with any questions or stories you want us to cover. We'll talk to you soon.